I want the Lord to open my heart. Here's why. Seeds. God wants to plant seeds in your heart. Constantly. Every day. When you have that fertile soil in your soul, God can take that and begin to plant seeds in there of hope and take the despair away. series this year called springtime now i know springtime has a season but we're kind of looking at the whole year 2016 what does it mean to be in springtime at timberline a lot of new things happening we're trying some stuff we've never tried before and we're very excited about that one of those things is after easter the wednesday after easter on the 30th we're going to have some nachos and some food For people who are just wanting to know a little more about what it might mean to follow Jesus. Uh, You've heard already Pastor Justin talking about what it means to, to open this place up for people who come only at Christmas and Easter. And so we're going to be talking about it next week. Be praying that the seeds will be planted and they'll come on that Wednesday night. If you have a friend that's exploring Christianity, bring him with you Wednesday night and we'll feed you. It's very informal. We're just sitting around round tables talking. Pastor Brent and I are leading it. So anyway, just know that and we'll look forward to all of that. We've identified some 14ers, we're calling them here in Colorado, for Timberline Church to climb this year. We had 10 or 11 and we've whittled it down to four main categories Those categories, we handed out this brochure to you. The first one is encounter. What does it mean to encounter God? The second was community. What does it mean to have people in my life, speaking into my life, and allowing me to speak into theirs? Apprenticeship. Following someone ahead of me. Letting someone follow me. And then mission. This this weekend really is all about encounter. We are going to anoint with oil and pray for people at the end of our time together today. It's fascinating that this is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was a celebration in the life of Jesus and the people as he's riding into Jerusalem. It's one of the few times in Scripture when they recognize him as the Son of God, the Messiah who would come to save the world. Why is that significant? It's significant because they knew he would bring them freedom. This message today, though unrelated to that text of Palm Sunday, is all about freedom and what it means to have that freedom in my life. I've called it prison break because we're in this series in the book of Acts. We're in Acts 16. If you have a Bible, just open it there and we'll follow along. But let me ask you a question about about prison. How many of you have ever... No, I'm not going to ask that question. I don't want you to... (laughs) That's probably not good. Uh... I, for years, did a, a service in our uh, uh, jail that was just down the street here on Timberline. And I always remember what it felt like to walk in on that Saturday morning and have those big doors slam behind me. It was a very unique feeling. I've, I've never been in prison other than to minister there. And um, I can just see the faces of so many inmates and the hope that they had as Jesus was presented and the desire. But prison is typically not a place people want to be. But I today would like to just challenge you to think about how many more prisons there are that people live in that have nothing to do with steel or metal or locks. They have to do with things like emotion, 
There are, there are emotional prisons that people get stuck in and they can't find their way out. The phobias that people live with in this world. The fears that keep the anxiety. Anxiety is like, it's like one of the biggest things that's taking over our world because of the situations that we are faced now with, even in America. That's a prison. I want to talk about that today. Finances. Ever been in a financial prison? I've been there. It's a challenging time. We've all tasted that, I have a feeling. There are prisons that have to do with things like spiritual prisons where I can't break through. I don't know where God went. Relationships. Some of you who have been through tough times in relationships know that that can lock you out of freedom. And you saw them there and you're never going to go back there again. And you hope you don't run into them. And you're not going to open that letter. And you don't want to read this. And it just, it just locks you out of reaching the potential that God wants you to have. So today I want to just really talk about how we end up in some of those prisons. And I want to look at one of my favorite stories in Acts 16. The first thing in your program, if you're taking notes today, and I hope you are, just write these two words down. Good and evil. Good and evil. How many of you believe in both? Okay. Both exist. Absolutely, positively, both exist in a spiritual realm. And that's what we're seeing in this story. Follow along. Crazy story. Acts 16, verse 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. Now that's a mouthful. That's an emotional full when you think about that statement. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her master's Earned a lot of money for her, what? Yeah, that's very important in this story. She followed Paul and the rest of us, this is Paul and Silas and company, shouting these words, These men are servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved. Is that true? Is she speaking truth? She is. That's kind of ironic. Why is she doing this? Well, we're going we're to find out. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon, notice this, he's talking to the demon in her, not just her. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. And we've got to unpack that a little bit. I want to say a couple things about good versus evil. I don't want to just be a gloomsayer, a doomsayer. I don't want to come and... I'm a positive guy. How many of you know that about me? I am. Sometimes to a fault. And so today is a challenge for me because a lot of bad things happen in this story. I don't like it when people are oppressed and possessed by demons. I don't like the fact that evil in this world is on the rise. Let's leave the other countries out of it. Let's just talk about America. I've read stats this week that talk about violence and crime and homicide and issues and rape and incest and issues that just blew my mind to the point that I, didn't, I just stopped reading it. It's depressing. It's discouraging. And I started thinking about this idea that when Lucifer left heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. There are, there are powers on this earth and principalities, and there is truly good versus evil. 
When Adam, when, G, when God breathed into Adam and life came from that dust that was formed and that spirit man awakened, that battle started right there. And the enemy of our soul is constantly prowling to try to take us out, as we'll see in a moment. This lady was possessed by a demon that needed to be cast out of her. But it's ironic that she says what she says. Why would she say a truth about these people who are preaching the gospel if she's demon-possessed? There's a couple things theologians have. There's tons of thoughts if you want to study this. But let me give you three or four ideas. First of all, she was a very successful fortune teller because of the demons in her. And she made a lot of money, not for her, but she was a slave to these masters. And so, this demon, I think, connived a plan that said, I know something good's gonna happen, something like a miracle's gonna happen because Paul and Silas are here, so I'm gonna align with them. I'm gonna let the public believe that I'm here with them. Think about this. You're sitting at dinner at night and we say, hey, did you see those two guys preaching today? Yeah, and that lady that was proclaiming, they're speaking the truth. Yeah, they must have, where'd they come from? Well, I don't know. I've seen her before, but. So that if something does happen that's positive, people will identify her as foretelling it, foreseeing it, so that her credibility goes up another notch. She also wanted to associate with them in case there was a miracle. She knew that they would probably leave. Or I should say this demon knew they were traveling from town to town. She's going to stay there. And so association could bring some good news. Other, uh, other people say that she was being sarcastic. Like, oh, they're going to tell you the truth. I don't think that's probably the case. This demon in her was making himself known to Paul and Silas and company for a reason. And here's one thought that I believe is very possible. It's just like the enemy not to sneak around the corner in a dark room and go, Rah! You want me to do that again? Did that get you? Oh, I'm not going to do it again. Don't worry. Instead, the enemy likes to come right in beside us and speak some truth to us. Man, you are cool. Man, you're this, you're that. Let's be friends. Let's partner. He wants us to begin to trust. That's why people go get their palms read or they use tarot cards. Or they, because they want to know something in a spiritual realm. What are the chances? Pastor Brent and I were talking about this. Is it possible that there are millions of spirits out there in America today? That are not of God? How many of you think that's possible? I do. If there's millions of other spirits that want harm and possession and control, and there's only one Holy Spirit, what are the odds that someone seeking for truth is going to find one in a million? That's why Satan is subtle, and he tries to come alongside us to be our partner and our buddy with no consequence. And Paul saw this coming, and he said, we are not you, and we are not a part of you. You are our enemy. Come out in the name of Jesus. That's why we separate ourselves from this type of thing. We must cope in this world that is filled with spirits, and it's spooky, and I don't like it, even in our country. 
But I know this, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's the promise of Scripture that we have. Okay, moving on, number two. I want to talk about the motive of the user. The motive of the user. There are always going to be users in the world. And this story really shows what that user is about. Verse 19. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged him before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us as Romans to practice. Well, first of all, they wanted to get the mob going. They lied about what was really happening, and it worked. But it's troubling to me that the only thing these users thought of was their financial loss and their loss of control and power over this poor victim, this girl. Listen, at Timberline, we talk about some pretty raw things sometimes, like human trafficking, sex trafficking, and you count campaign and everything that is happening. I hate it. I hate the fact that we even have a topic like that we have to talk about. It does, it blows my mind. I've lost sleep at night. I've wept over this thing. These little girls and little boys, I, I hate it. I can't imagine that there really are employment sweatshops in the world where little kids are made to work. Children's soldiers. Forced labor, prostitution, both male and female. When I think of what's happening in our world today, do you ever ever read an article or see a true story about something that happened and you go, how could a human being do that to another human being? I'll tell you how. The forces of evil drive this to the point that they are consumed by using someone else to get What they want. The users will always be interested in money, in power, and in control. And they have no sense. You don't see any celebration in the users that this demon has come out of this girl and she is now free. Oh, they're not going to rejoice in that. Why? Because they're not going to make any more money. And they're users. And I started thinking about this a lot. And, you know, we look at this as an extreme example because it is. But what is it in our culture where people are tempted to become users? What, what, what in your life could potentially be a seed dropped into you that you think you deserve that? That's why a man could beat his wife. That's why someone wants control over someone else. That's why there's some employers in our world and in our nation that control people and manipulate them and, and force them into doing things that are not honest or integral. Why? Because they're users. And that seed is in all of us at some level, and it's haunting. And I've, I value this, this lesson for me. I said, God, you show me if there's one place in my life where I would ever be tempted to be a user, I want you to rip that out of me. Because I'm telling you, this, the need for control over someone is real. And we better know it. Let's move on. How many of you are worried that I'm only at point two out of seven? Yeah. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes, like, oh, come on, I got lunch waiting for me. <laughs> Number three, sometimes things go from bad to worse. <laughs> Do you know how difficult this is for me right now to, to be preaching a message that goes from bad to worse? Because this story, it, it, it gets better in a minute, so hang in there. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them stripped 
and beaten with wooden rods. This is terrible. But then the chariots of fire came out of heaven and protected them and swooped them up. No, that's not what it says. That's the Northrop version. Here's what Luke says in the book of Acts. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Why did he do that? He was scared. When they said, you do this, you make sure if they escaped, they're going to they're gonna torture him to death. And he knew it because he's seen it before. That's why he took them to the lowest of the low. That's why he chained them up. They didn't deserve this kind of treatment or punishment, but he was scared. Listen, there are risks involved when you make a decision to let your faith lead your life. We don't feel it a lot in our country yet, but we may in our lifetime. That's not scary because we should feel faith and encouragement. We shouldn't be afraid of that. But the question I have is, where was God in all this? Why would God allow something like this to happen? You see, that's the first question we tend to ask when things don't go so well in our lives. Please, stay with me here. But God, I've been, I've been paying my tithe. I thought I would have won the lottery when it was so big. That was your plan. That's what we agreed on. Right? It might not be that, but it might be something like it, where I do this, God, you do this. I dedicate my child, they'll never be sick. There, there's this, this law that we have in our bad theology that says, I'm kind of manipulating God, and if I'm good, and if I do this, listen to me. God loves you, and He has a plan for your life. And what would happen if His way to reach the world was through your death? What would happen if his plan for your life was to get beat up and thrown into prison? What would happen if we stopped being consumers and listing out all the things we want from God and we started saying, I don't need anything from you except that you use and spend my life in a way that brings growth to your kingdom. No one can hurt me. No one can harm. They can take my life from me, but then my soul will be with you. So, Lord, put me in the places you want to put me, and I don't need you to save my life because I'm here to spend my life. That would be a big switch. As a matter of fact, Christians are being persecuted all over the world as we speak right now. It's haunting. Could we take a moment and pray for them? Lord, we are so aware in stories like this that it's awful. In our minds, what's happening around the world. Your plan, though, is bigger. And we pray for peace. We pray for empowerment. We pray that your presence will be so real in their lives that they will be stunned at the peace they have. Our brothers and our sisters persecuted because of your name. Amen. Number four. There is no prison that can hold the soul. <laughs> Now the story starts to get better, so I'm liking this. There's no prison that can hold the soul. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. <laughs> I would expect that, but this next line tears me up. And singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. <laughs> so, uh, 
perhaps one of the greatest stories in the New Testament. What, what, must, what was going on? They have been beaten. They are in physical pain. They are, I, have you ever seen those? I've, I've had the chance to see some of those Roman stocks. And they got their feet in them and some of them have the hands. Some of them have the head sticking out. They're all locked up. And what is, what is Paul or Silas thinking when they look at each other and go, Hey man, want to sing a song? <laughs> sure. What do you want to sing? Oh, I don't know. How about that Father Abraham? No, we can't do the motions. Let's don't do that one. Um, I, don't, I don't know what was going on in their brain, but they, they started singing and, and the other prisoners heard them. Well, of course they did, because prisoners don't hear people singing in prison. What is the song you sing when life sucks? Can I say that? What is the song you sing when you're in prison? When your rights have been taken away? Man, this is tough. I want to learn from this. These are, these, are, these are powerful tools. What's going on in the soul? You know what they knew? They knew that you can kill us. You can break our bones. You can break our necks. But you can never get to the soul. Why? Because the minute you kill this body, my soul leaves See, no one can get your soul unless you let them. That's why Satan fights for your soul more than your body. That's why he's sneaky. That's why we have to be careful. That's why we don't always recognize him. What's going on in the soul? Number five, what is your response? Just a really quick point I want to make. What is your response to the midnight hour? What is your response to the midnight hour? When we use the term midnight hour, typically in our culture we say, man, I'm at the midnight hour. What does that mean? It typically means like trouble, challenge, alone, and, and usually the biggest thing is it means it's my last chance. In other words, time is running out. At the midnight hour, things begin to happen. And I think, what is my typical response in these kinds of moments in my life? Bonnie and I, this has created a lot of dialogue for us. Thank you, Lord. That we have not had too many midnight hours. And hopefully you haven't either. But we've had several. And one of them, as a young couple living in Grand Junction, Colorado, we had had our first son, our, our first child, Ryan. And when we got pregnant again, Bonnie miscarried. And that was, that was really hard. That was really tough for us. We love, we love children. Well, we got pregnant again. And into the pregnancy, Bonnie got the chicken pox. And this was a huge surprise as we went to the doctor and they sat us down and said, we need to be straight with you. There's some big chances here of what they called deformation in this child. Uh, possibly born without limbs, just all kinds of things they described to us and the percentages and all of that. And they said, we recommend that you abort this pregnancy. Well, we said, just so you know, we don't believe in abortion. We, we're going to trust God. And um, we believe life really does start at conception. And so, thank you, but we're going to move on through this pregnancy. And we went home. I'll never forget it. We sat down and cried. Uh, we said, Lord, we trust you. 
Many of you have kids with disabilities and they've been the best blessing in your whole life. And I get that. Thank you, Lord. So we just said we have to prepare for that. And we're going to be the best parents to this child, whatever happens. Well, a few months later, Bonnie wakes up in the night, early in the morning, and and she's in this cold sweat and she's just kind of happy. And she says, Derry, this little girl is going to be fine. And I said, what you, well, how, how do you know it's a girl? How do you know? This is before ultrasound and all that stuff. And I, she said, I just had a dream. It was a God dream. And we had a perfectly healthy little baby girl. And I said, well, could you tell God to give me that dream? Because I would really like to have that. The peace that came over her, I mean, it was just like night and day. We never talked about it again. We never worried about it again. When Erica, if you know Erica... She is perfectly healthy and super bright, and, and, and God bless her. I don't know why some of you had children with disabilities. You loved them. God trusted you. But I just know that was a midnight hour. And when you have midnight hours, you have to make decisions of whether you're going to trust God or not. And they did. Number six, God is our deliverer. I want you to remember this. This is the best part of the whole story. Verse 26, suddenly... There was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. And the reason for that is they would put, drill these, bore these holes in rock in these prisons. And if the rocks all collapsed, then obviously the chains are going to come out. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Why? Because that's a better option than being tortured to death. But Paul shouted, stop. Let me kill you. I'm sick of you. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) That's what I would have been saying. Think of this. Think of this. Think of his priority. Stop. Don't kill yourself. We We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and he ran to the dungeon. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, what just happened in this story? I'll tell you what happened. He saw something was not, that was not humanly possible. And what we need in our culture, and what I'm praying for, is that we have the divine power of God. So big in our world and so big in this church and so big in this year life, in your life, that there is no doubt that God is showing up and these are God-sized things that happen and not just in human form. God wants to do these things. He said, you tell me what I need to do. And they did. And he prayed the prayer. He believed in Jesus. As a matter of fact, He went back to his house and got all of his kids and family. They all were baptized. You can read the rest of the story. And and then he invites Paul and Silas over to his house for dinner. And they all come over and they're having a great time. It's just a wonderful story. But lastly, there's a twist in the story. Number seven, always seek justice. The next morning, verse 35, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let these men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. You know, I would have been relieved. How about you? I'm out of here. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. 
and we are Roman citizens. That jailer gulped right there. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed. You better believe they were. To learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and they begged them to leave the city. I love that. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. How many of you know who Lydia is? Yay! There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. And then they left town. Okay, just in closing, what in the world is going on here? If I was in prison and all this happened to me, I'd be so glad to get out of town. Not Paul, because Paul's about justice. Simple point. Please hear this. Paul was not just about reaching his destination. We should not be just about reaching our destination. Oh, this is my world, my life, my life plan. I'm going here. No. The reason he did this was to make a bigger path. He wanted to make a splash. Why? Because he wanted to take other people to his destination. And he knew that other people would be coming through this area. And he knew that if he ever came back, he would be treated differently than he was this time. He's building kingdom. And that's important. And that matters. When I think about having freedom, I think about the bondage in this story, just to recap it, the slave girl, the users, they're they're trapped too, greed, money, the mob bound by violence and anger, wanting to kill and destroy, Paul and Silas thrown into a prison they didn't deserve. That's why freedom becomes important to us today. And I'll tell you, I get a little fire in my heart when I think about people who claim that they can bring you freedom. But they don't have the power of God. And it's a lie. When you get your palm read or you use tarot cards or you use games and you play with stuff that has a spiritual connotation, you are messing with fire. And then it's even in the church. I'm disturbed when I see Christian leaders saying, you know, send me 25 bucks and I'll send you an anointed hanky or a bottle of oil or whatever. It is not man who should receive any... There are no superstars in the kingdom of God. Kill that dead. It is about Jesus Christ who paid the price and the empowerment of the Spirit that sets people truly free. It's true. That's why we're going to pray to God. This isn't about what kind of prayer it is. It's about what kind of God it is. We serve the Most High God. I'm going to ask you all to stand just for this moment. Please stay and remain respectful of this moment if you can. I want our prayer team to go to the wall just had an impression that sometimes our backs get up against the wall. So we might not have room for everybody, but we'll come up here as well. But I'm going to ask you if you have any type 
of something that's keeping you from being the free person you need to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about meth addict and the big things that typically we think of deliverance ministries. Listen, I'm talking about anxiety, fear, it, relationship bondage where you don't even want to go somewhere. You don't even go out of your house because you're afraid to see this person. Financial trap. This is all of us. I, I can go to the wall today. But if you feel compelled and you want to be a part of this prayer, I'm just going to ask you to be anointed with oil. I want you to hold your wrist out as you walk over to the wall in a minute and let them just put some oil on your wrist. There's no power in that oil, but the Bible says anoint with oil. And the reason for that is is it symbolizes the Holy Spirit, not just a spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And then I'm going to pray for everyone on the wall. And church, you're going to help me pray in a unique way in just a second. So as we sing this song, Holly, I want you to now, anyone who just feels that some of your marriages, you're against the wall. You need to go and let us pray for you. Take that person by the hand. Go now. We need to do this fast. Go and just put you back on the wall and just stay there for just a minute and be anointed. And then I'm going to pray. So just stand there for a while until we pray for you. Then we're going to release you to go sit back down. Sing this, church. It's a great song. His grace. go all the way around the back as well. Feel free. Right up here. Come right on over. If you run out of room, come start a, a line right up in the front here too as well. Let them just anoint you with oil right now. Just hold out your hand. They're just going to walk and anoint you with the oil. I love this part. My chains are gone. Let's sing it prophetically. We believe it, Lord. Ransom me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love Amazing. Now I'd like for each of you, some of you in the South Auditorium right now, I hope you have gone to the front. If you haven't, please go now. We want to pray. We have prayer team in there too. And I'm going to ask everyone on this side of the room to just now turn and face all these people against the wall today. We're family. We call this our living room for a reason. I want all of you to face these people over there. And I want you, as I lead us in a prayer... I want you to, if you're comfortable praying with your eyes open, I want you to just, maybe if if you're comfortable, this isn't a spooky thing, but if you want to just hold your hand up toward them, saying, I'm praying for you. And if you want to just look at them and go person by person as you pray over them, as I lead us in a prayer, please do that now. We're family. Let's pray for our brothers and our sisters. And let's believe God for some miracles with encounter. It's the encounter from the Spirit we need today. Lord, Right now, by faith, we stand and we agree as your kids that every person who is asked to be prayed for, the dilemma, the challenge, the mountain that they are facing is bigger than them. And it's tough to tackle these in human form. And so by faith, we stand here on the heels of a story of deliverance.
And we pray like Paul did, in the name of Jesus. That's where our faith is. That's where our hope is. We pray that you would break if it's addiction. We pray that you would heal if it's relationship. We pray, God, that you would put your power over this situation so that there can be peace and there can be freedom and there will be no fear, no more anxiety, that our trust in you goes to a new level today because you renew our mind. You regenerate our confidence and our faith in our heart. And we cast our cares on you in the name of Jesus. We pray it. And everyone said in agreement. Amen. So be it.